Hello and welcome to Decision NYC with Ben Max. I'm Ben Max, your host and the editor of Gotham Gazette. The 2021 New York City election season is well underway and it's poised to be the most significant municipal election in decades. All of city government is on the ballot and because so few incumbents are eligible to run for their current seats due to term limits, New Yorkers are electing many new office holders and the next roster of leadership for our city. There will be a new mayor of New York City elected here in 2021, as well as a new city controller, several new borough presidents, and many new city council members. That's not all that's on the ballot. Several incumbents are eligible for and seeking re-election, including the city's public advocate. There's a very crowded and competitive race for Manhattan district attorney, and still more. Party primaries are set for June, and the general election in the fall will culminate on November 2nd. This is the first full set of municipal elections with both early voting and the new ranked choice voting system. Ranked choice voting only applies to party primaries and special elections, and we'll have a separate show explaining that in detail. This city election cycle would be of enormous importance under more usual circumstances, but it's unfolding at a time of great crisis for our city, raising the stakes of the decisions that you, the voter, will make. The new wave of city leadership will quite clearly make or break the city's recovery from the devastation of the COVID-19 pandemic and its many impacts on health, families, jobs, education, housing, and much more. It's also important to note that the city faced a number of crises even before COVID hit, and several of those have only gotten worse. So it's an important time of choosing here in New York City, and we're pleased to bring you this series of interviews with candidates running for citywide offices, mayor, public advocate, controller, as well as interviews with candidates for other offices like borough president and district attorney. And eventually there will be debates, including for the city council. But these one-on-one -on -one conversations will help you get to know the candidates better, learn about their backgrounds, their positions, their vision, what they wanna do with the office they're pursuing. We hope this and other interviews will help you sort through your many choices and make an informed decision when it's time to vote. So today's interview, Joining me now by Zoom is Fernando Mateo, a Republican candidate for mayor of New York City. Fernando, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Ben, for having me. So you're running for mayor. Uh, you're running in the Republican primary. Uh, tell folks before we get into your campaign platform uh, about your background, your resume a little bit, who you are, where you come from. Well, my name is Fernando Mateo once again. Um, I'm 63 years old. I have spent 61 years of my 63 here in New York City. And um, at the age of 14, uh, I dropped out of school. Uh, I was bullied. Um, it was uh, very treacherous. The public school system, I believe, let me down. And, um, and my aspirations of you know, going to college. But after that, uh, I learned a skill. I went to vocational school. I learned how to lay floor coverings. And I, at the age of 17, I was married. And I opened my, my first small business in the Lower East Side. I worked very, very hard, endless hours, uh, and I became very successful. I was able to build the largest minority floor covering company in the country. And um, in 89, I decided to start working with my community. I, I was able to afford to give back to the people that made me who I was. So I went to Rikers Island uh, with a three-year plan and that was to teach, train, and find employment for first-time nonviolent offenders. Kids that didn't find their way after leaving school the way I did. 
when I was 14 years old, I was adopted by a Jewish family who taught me the values of hard work, who taught me the values of, of life, of, of being an entrepreneur. And that's what made me at 17, gave me the opportunity to start my business. So in 1989, I approached um, Mayor Dinkins and I said, I'd like to bring this program to Rikers Island. And he says, listen, uh, it's a tough battle, but it's your money, it's your funding, we will give you support. And we taught, trained and found employment for many young nonviolent offenders. And that taught me one thing, that when you give opportunity to those that don't have it, they will take it the same way that I did. So I was able, I started teaching floor covering and as Oprah Winfrey and People Magazine and the New York Times and others uh, started reporting about the program, I was able to enlist welders, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, and we created a school at Rikers and it was called at the time the Mateo Institute of Training. And we graduated dozens of kids and, and they never went back to jail. After that in, in 1993, uh, there was violence was crazy in New York. Kids were shooting each other like it is right now in New York City. And I started a program called Toys for Guns. Toys for Guns allowed me to get thousands of guns off the city streets in a few weeks. And the program led into the Giuliani administration with a lot less guns in the streets. And I was very proud of that because people responded to what the media thought was a joke. And it really wasn't. It was a very serious problem that we were having. In 1999, uh, some 40, 50 cab drivers came to my office, walked in, barged in, and said to me, we need for you to help us, like you've helped others. We need, we're, we're getting killed five a month, and that's a lot. So I looked into it and I became, we formed the New York State Federation of Taxi Drivers. And together with Mayor Giuliani and Governor Pataki, we were able to bring together programs um, laws, uh, police uh, uh, task force that today has allowed us to enjoy a much safer industry. Although an industry that's been heavily assaulted lately, but if you, they kill one driver every three years, it's a lot. Same thing happened with the bodegas uh, in New York City. As you know, bodegas in the, uh, in the outer boroughs are one on every corner. And these are safe havens for people, they're community centers, um, they're places that people can, can use refuge if they need it. And we, we had a very bad situation when Junior Guzman was murdered. And that left an imprint in me and in the bodega industry. And we said, we need to do something about it. And we started the safe haven bodega so that what happened to Junior doesn't happen to others. But over the, the last 30 years, I've dedicated my life to helping New York, to helping my community helping the people that made me who I am. And I never thought that I would be in a position that politics would even interest me. I don't like politics and I'm not a politician. And, but I see what's going on in New York and I realize how small businesses are being treated and they're the, 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 the spinal cord of New York's economy. And I see how crime has risen <clears throat> to record levels. And I've, as I've spoken to Democratic candidates, I realize that they don't get it. They don't understand. They are so full of politics and policies and, and laws and over-regulation 
And that's all they think about. And when you ask them a question, they give you an answer that you really don't understand whether it's a yes or a no. You, it, it became very frustrating to me. And I said, you know, one day I, I just got up and people have been asking me, why don't you consider running for mayor? You've done well, you built great businesses, you know how to build the economy. You know? and, I, and one day I just said, you know what? The city is all I have. My kids are great, thank God. I've got a wonderful family. My youngest daughter's a doctor. My middle daughter is an author. She's a journalist. Uh, she's a published author. And my son works for sanitation and he's an actor. So I'm a billionaire. You know, I did well. My wife did e extremely well for my family, not me, because I was out working. But she did an amazing job with my, with my kids. So I sleep well. And they say that the, ha the, the, the man that owns this world is not the man that gets up early, but the man that gets up happy. And I get up happy every day. And I see New York City is sad. As a small businessman, I have suffered what every small business has suffered. I have felt the pain that they feel. So I understand it firsthand. So a couple a couple things that are clearly uh, top of mind as you're running for mayor here um, are, are small businesses and the city's economic revival and also public safety. So let's take each of those one at a time. Um, and But they obviously do go, go hand in hand in a lot of ways. On public safety, what do you think needs to happen? Just to be clear, there was obviously a very big spike in gun violence in 2020 that happened in cities around the state and around the country, but we're nowhere near at the levels we were in the in the 90s and, and even in, in the 80s, but there was a very serious rise and, and very concerning. What do you think needs to be done if you're a mayor right now, or if you take office in the beginning of 2022, what needs to be done to make the city safer? First thing that I would do is I would look at quality of life issues. I would look at bail reform. I would look at how the, how the recruits are being trained and what they're being taught in the academy and who is leading that department. I would add thousands more cops to the police force. I believe that we should have minimally two cops in each subway station 24 hours, seven days a week because that is an area that people that are leaving work at night, that are leaving the entertainment businesses, the clubs, the restaurants, the, the, the theater district, they use our subways. And when there are no cops visible in, a, in the subways, it gets pretty dangerous. It could get scary dangerous, right? I would make sure that our children, 14, 15, 16, 17, like myself, if I didn't have a family that adopted me and gave me a job at 14, God knows what would I've been, what would I have been doing out in the streets. So I would encourage every small business to hire a kid from their community and let them work in their bodega, in their carpet store, in their restaurant. I would encourage corporate America to come back to their offices and hire kids after school. A lot of these kids come out of school, they have one parent, and they're out in the street while the parent is working. Is that something you would just sort of be a, a convener as mayor to bring the small businesses to the table, the, the big corporations, or is that a city program? Are you incentivizing those things? Are you funding them? Uh, how, does, how, do you, how does it work? I, you see, the way we would want to give Amazon $3 billion to, to come to New York for, and, and, and produce 25,000 jobs I would take 25,000 new businesses that come to New York City and say, you know what? We're gonna give you the tax breaks we were giving corporate America. Corporate America doesn't need it. Small businesses need it. 
I know because I am one. And I know because I would hire these kids. So it's about the mayor taking the leadership and reaching out. When the mayor picks up the phone and calls, everyone answers that phone. Sure. If you can enter a dialogue and create a partnership, a private public partnership with the business leaders, small, medium, and large in the city, we can help kids stay off the streets. And those are the kids that are really committing mischiefs out there and are going to jail for minor things because they have too much free time on their hands. Come back to policing for a second. Um, you say expanding the police force, more more police officers in subway stations. You know, do you are you someone who thinks the police force uh, sort of in communities needs to be more assertive, more aggressive right now? I mean, it sounds like you do, but I, I want to confirm that you think, you know, the, the police department needs to be, um, you know, maybe hearkening back more towards uh, before Bill de Blasio was mayor and, and started to sort of um, pull the reins back a little bit. No, I, I believe that the police department needs to engage the community more. The police, we need the, the cop on the beat, the cop that knows if you lived in, if you grew up in Harlem and you became a police officer, it doesn't matter where you live. I would want you to police Harlem because you know the community, you know the people, you know the kids, you know mm -hmm. the gangs. You know what? And there's a, there's a level of respect that exists when you police the community that you grew up in. So is I there, believe a, in is there a problem with um, how high a percentage of the police force then lives outside the five boroughs? Is that a concern for you? Not at all. In fact, they can't afford to live in New York City. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter where they live. It matters where they came from. Mm -hmm. It matters what ethnic background they have. It matters where you place them that they can be the, the most productive. So if we, if we engage the police department, and first of all, get rid of everyone up on top that hasn't done their job so that, and bring in new people up on top that, so that you trickle down that good energy, so that you bring that positive energy and the idea that I have to fruition. You can't start at the bottom and then hope that when they graduate and go out onto the streets, they're gonna do what they learned at the academy. No, they're gonna do what the upper people management, the chiefs are gonna tell them to do. The commanding- say, say a little bit more about what that would be under your administration. What would, it, what would those directives look like? What's, not, what's broken now in terms of both um, the policing to keep, to keep crime down, but also the policing to build trust? I mean, I think you got at a little bit of that with, with what you said about trying to have more people police in the communities that they come from. Um, but what else, you know, what, what, what are some more specific things that that would look like under your leadership? I would get police officers, chiefs that believe in social justice. I would get chiefs that believe in respecting the citizens of New York City. I would get chiefs that do not abuse their power and will not allow any officer to abuse their power. But I will also let New Yorkers know that we must respect our law enforcement officers. Law enforcement officers are there to protect us. And when they're out in the streets doing their job, they need to be respected. They can't be taunted, spat at, water dumped on them. That is unacceptable. Bail reform, I would change because bail reform doesn't apply to everyone. There are crimes that you cannot allow to apply the bail reform uh, system. Judges need to use better discretion. District attorneys need to do their job. As mayor, I will hold everyone accountable 
for everything that happens in the city. But that sounds like you want significantly more people in jail pre-trial, correct? Before, no, before they- It depends. If you go out and you stab someone or you throw someone on the, on the train tracks or you shoot someone or you rob or you com commit burglary, those are crimes that bail should be set in order for you to be released. If you're caught a spraying graffiti, it's a quality of life issue, mm -hmm. and you don't have money to be released, you know what? You didn't physically hurt anyone. You know what? We are New Yorkers. The people that are affected the most by this terrible bail reform system the way it exists are people in my community. People that live in very poor communities are suffering the consequences, not people on the Upper West Side or on the Upper East Side or on Fifth Avenue, it's in the South Bronx. But what you said is mostly what the bail reforms that were passed was meant to do, was to not, was to not- But that's not, what, that's, that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. I'll give you one case. There was a knife wielding person in a bodega threatening to stab people. 20 police officers arrived. They talked her down. She was arrested. She yeah. had a knife that was 12 inches long. And a few hours later, she was at the corner again of that bodega. Mm -hmm. How could that happen? Do you, you, you know, your, your biggest focus is making sure that anyone who's threatening violence, committing violence is kept in on a judge's discretion pre-trial. Exactly. Right. Someone that, someone that is, has mental illness, you know, they deserve a different type of treatment. Someone that jumps a turnstile to get to work, you know, that's a different type of, of violation. You can work with a desk appearance ticket. You could work with them, you know, not having to post bail to get out. But if someone physically hurts your mother or your uncle or you or your wife or your children, we need to reevaluate those, those cases. So I'm sure I'm sure we could talk policing and criminal justice for all our time, but I want to make sure we get to a couple other things. So let's come back to the economy. First of all, if you were mayor right now, end of February, what would this the what would you be pushing for? A lot of the power resides with the state, of course, but what would you be pushing for in terms of the city's reopening, uh, trying to revitalize the city's economy, rules around reopening capacity? What's your what's your economic outlook? Hopefully, when I when I am the mayor. Herd immunization will have taken place. COVID will be behind us. And I believe moving forward, as we see the numbers going down, we need to focus our energy on the vulnerable, on the seniors, on those that have underlying conditions. I had COVID. I lost family to COVID. I lost friends to COVID. But my friends and my family were older. They had underlying conditions and they were not taken care of properly. We need to let young, healthy people like you and like me get back to work. We need to reopen our economy. A city will not, the economy will not come back if we don't have public safety. So public safety is behind us now. Mm -hmm. We're addressing that. First thing I would do is I would ask those businesses that left to come back. I will make sure that I reach out to every corner of this world, to every country, and let them know that New York City is open for business. And if you come and you invest money opening a small business in New York City, 
New York City will be the insurance company that you need to succeed. Right now, before COVID, it's not the city. It's, we didn't leave here. A lot of them didn't leave here because of COVID. They left because of the city's agencies. City agencies are brutal on small businesses. They are brutal because I've been Tell me, tell me one or tell me one or two specific things that you would change about that. What are what are a couple of specifics on that? Okay, I would assume responsibility, for example, for of rodents. New York City owns, the city owns 40 million rats. Okay. These rats eat through concrete. They eat through everything. So if you have a restaurant or a supermarket or a bodega over a, a train station, rest assured. Rats are going to eat through the roof and get into your business, okay? Health department goes in. Meantime, all these businesses are complying with extermination, with cleanliness, with keeping things in order. You can't stop the rats. There are too many. They come and they do droppings on your floor. I would not shut your business down because of that. I would allow you to hire a retired health department inspector to come and find the problem. And if the problem belongs to the city, we assume the problem. Don't blame it on the small businesses. They, didn't, they don't own the rats. You own the rats, right? Mm -hmm. One example, police department should not get involved in business issues because you know what? They can abuse their power and they could put someone out of business if they decide to. That should never be allowed. The building department, if you apply for for an, if you apply to do a renovation in your business, if you're starting a business, you're paying your landlord rent. The building department sometimes takes six months to get you approved. Meantime, what do you do for six months? Pay rent and be shut down? Con Edison, abused by that company is terrible. They shut your gas down, you can't get it turned down for months. You know what, I will have agencies that function, that work, that allow small businesses to succeed. You know, every time a small business gets an inspector in, they're shaking in their boots. Mm -hmm. they, they fear the agency. You know what, with me, you're gonna welcome that inspector because I'm that gonna, inspector will not be there to shut you down. I'm gonna hopefully get to a couple other issue topics with you like education and housing. I don't know how much time we'll have, but before we do that, I've heard you in some other interviews talk about yourself as an urban Republican. Can you tell people, you know, give people a sense of sort of your politics, your political philosophy. You know, I think it's easy sometimes for people to hear, okay, you know, urban Republican, you know, someone who came up in New York City and, and had to scrape and make it. So, you know, maybe sort of uh, fiscally more conservative, a bit socially more liberal, but you say it, what, what does that mean to you? What makes me an urban Republican is that everything that I have done in this city has been based in highly democratic neighborhoods. In fact, all democratic neighborhoods. The reason is, is because they are the neighborhoods that need the most help. They are the neighborhoods that are misguided. They're misguided by politics and by policies. And I go there to show them that there is a better way, a different way of succeeding, a different way of doing things. You know, most people that are in business and that are in democratic communities, aren't asking for a handout. They wanna work and earn a living. So really they are Republicans the way I'm a Republican. They don't want a handout. They don't want for someone to give them and keep them poor. 
They want to be left alone. They want to do business. They want to, uh, to succeed in their community. And that's what a small business person does. That's what makes me an urban Republican. It's not that I have radical right wing, you know, that, that I'm a racist, that no, that's not what a, a re, that's not what Republicans are. I think we're misguided. And I am going to show this city that having me as their urban Republican mayor, they're gonna see so many good things and so many changes that I'm gonna bring to the city. You mentioned a few things about housing. We spend hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars on homeless problems. Billions, so yeah. many homeless in New York. You know what? My solution is so much simpler than all of these political theories that exist. No one wants to have a homeless shelter in their neighborhood. That's a fact. But the homeless also don't want to be in those neighborhoods because they know they're not wanted. Homeless people are not bad people. They're people that fell on hard times. And you know what? You can't blame them. They need help. And we are a city that can help them. We have a great federal government. If our communication with the federal government and with the state were solid, we would be doing great. But you know what? It's been about politics. It's been about personal politics. And we need to end that. I would go to industrial parks in New York. You have them in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, in Queens, and in Staten Island. And you have all these areas that no one lives in. I would take a few square blocks and I would build housing. I would build mental facilities, facilities that can help the mentally disturbed. I would build food banks. I would have whatever they need contained in the community that they will be living in decently, okay? With a good room or housing in, 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 their, in, in their development until they're able to transition out. Okay, so this way, they're not in anyone's backyard and they're not bothering anyone and they're not bothering anyone. That's what I would do with the homeless situation. And I would welcome back the rich. You know, bringing the rich back is a good thing. Not taxing them, but engaging them. Allowing them to help the city create private public programs that will help the city of New York. Yeah. For example, People give millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to NYU and to Columbia Presbyterian, the hospitals to get a plaque put on, on a wing. You know what? I would go to these philanthropists and these foundations and these very wealthy people and say, why don't you partner with the city, adopt a city housing project where the sinks are leaking, where the rats are, are rampant, where, the, you know, where the, the places are falling apart. Why don't you adopt it and we will name this development under your family? You know what? And take it away from city government because city government doesn't know how to do business and so give it to the private sector so that we can create better quality of life for people living in the housing projects because it's disgusting. So we're in our, we're in our last few minutes here. I'm going to hit you with a few things for, for quick answers. All right. So the plan to close Rikers Island and build four new jails. No. Okay. That will not happen. Re rehabilitate the buildings and the complexes on Rikers Island. I would change the management. It's not the island and it's not the cells and it's not the jails, it's the management, is right. the people who are running the, the jails. Mm -hmm. Building new development on NYCHA land, on, on you know, there's, it's sometimes called infill development to build new housing on underused NYCHA land. 
in favor of that or opposed? Absolutely in favor of. Uh-huh. Coming back to this sort of discussion about your politics, were you a Joe Biden supporter, a Donald Trump supporter, or somebody else supporter? I was a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the before, same- Before the Capitol riots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the same in 2016? Yes. And in terms of New York City mayoral uh, races and politics, you've, you've supported the Republican nominees throughout, I assume? I've, I've supported mostly Republican nominees, mm-hmm. but I've also supported many Democrats that I believed in. Like who? Don't want to mention that. Okay. Um, give us in, in 30 seconds, Bill de Blasio, what kind of letter grade would you give him for his tenure and, and you know, one or two reasons why? A triple F. A triple F. First of all, for his corrupt administration, two, for his lack of leadership, and three, for being oblivious to what's going on in New York City. Mm-hmm. And for making New York City a black and a white city, he totally forgot about all of the immigrants that comprise this city. He totally forgot about every immigrant, and this is a city of immigrants, this is a melting pot. He made it a, a, a divisive city, and we will never forgive or forget or forget what he did. Name a, a political role model you have. Is there somebody in present or past politics in New York that you consider a role model? I considered Michael Bloomberg a role model. Mm-hmm. I considered Giuliani a role model mm-hmm. while he was mayor of New York City. Mm-hmm. I think he made our city a better city, better quality of life city. Of course, every administration has its good and sure. its bad. Yeah. I've learned from the good, I've learned from the good, and I've learned from the bad, and I think that I'm going to be right in the middle of that. Okay. Well, listen, we have a lot more to talk about next time, but this was a good conversation. Fernando Mateo is a Republican candidate for New York City mayor. Thank you. Urban. For, urban Republican candidate for New York City mayor. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for watching Decision NYC with Ben Max. Key decisions for New York City voters are coming up in the June primaries and the fall general election. There's a lot on the line for all of us and the future of New York City. I hope this conversation and others are helpful to you. I'm Ben Max. See you next time.